and welcome to Box Not Included, the show looking at geek culture and the media we love and loathe from a queer perspective. I'm Hamish, God, I've missed saying that, Steel. And I'm Jade, coming out of my cage, and I'll be feeling just fine, <laughs> Rose. We're back. We are back, finally. We have returned. We have stricken back. <laughs> it's going very well. Box not included to Judgment Day. Oh my gosh. Um, every single... So it's our first episode in January the 1st. Yep, it's our first time recording this year. And we have, we have been on a holiday but not uh, that implies that it would have been something we voluntarily did and no yeah that exactly. we were maybe doing fun things um every single thing has been Shit. in our way <laughs> we've been ill we've been poor we've mm-hmm. been public transport has blocked oh us at every turn including today but... today was comically like it was very frustrating was but... it a fast was it a comedy of errors Kind of, because I would, you know, I was basically receiving, because long story short, my phone doesn't have its travel apps on anymore. I was receiving messages from Justin explaining where I should go because all the lines were down. And uh, we, like, I would arrive at a station that he said to get to and the gate would be like closing of the station and so on. Oh, gosh. So I went on a fun little loop around London, um, but I was determined to make it because I really genuinely wanted to catch up and geek out and I'd been yes, thinking about the same. things I wanted to say in, this morning in the shower and yeah we we uh we grabbed lunch uh before we started recording and we were very careful to not talk about certain things wanted to save our quality catch up <laughs> uh for the for mic time um apart from all that how has 2018 been treating you so far um to be honest kind of badly because mm. it's just been January was hard and long, and quite frankly, I could have done with sleeping through it, I think. But I've sort of struggled to get out of a rut creatively. Creatively. Not to say it's all been bad. Uh, I've had some good stuff with tabletop games. I've started working on a new project with a friend of mine. Um, We've done uh, a few episodes of Good News Everyone now. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, our future armor fancast, uh, <laughs> corporate chill, Jed Rose. Uh, but generally speaking, it's kind of it's been a very quiet month, quite frankly. Just sort of like slowly booting up to process the rest of the year. But uh, as we as we move into February, I'm feeling maybe catching a little bit of an upswing. Yeah, and that's good. How about you? I feel pretty the same. I guess if anyone's wondering, it takes a different amount of effort to record a Futurama podcast episode than to yes, plan our, one of these. Yes, our, our Futurama fancast is great in its simplicity because we get to watch an episode of Futurama, have a Skype call, yeah, and talk about it. Another it, reason we got delayed is that we asked for suggestions and we wanted to do a lot of the episodes justice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as, as we've talked before, like we've got some things we're looking to sort of reboot. Um like give our schedule a uh, schedule give our structure a little bit of a and makeover for 2018 and also our schedule we want to work out yeah. when to do this better i mean part of of how we like to do box not included is to record in the same place where possible because i feel like our episodes are stronger for it so yeah and it's just been hard to do that especially if we miss one 
weekend we're going to do it and then that's three episodes worth of that's three weeks worth of episodes and uh we've got all the other weekends booked up but um no i feel the same in terms of i do feel wobbly start but um i feel a definite sense of upswing Mm. um january is tough for everyone yes um and I'm sorry if you felt like we had abandoned you for January, guys. <laughs> yes, but we weren't on holiday having tequilas on the beach. We were running around trying to function. Yeah. Um, but also in that time, I was able to I was gonna say, yeah, consume I've, a lot of media. Yeah, I've been kind of depressed, which is really good for like <laughs> watching stuff. Um, <laughs> but... But yeah, so there's um, been some good content that uh, we have been consuming. And so we've got a few things that we're just going to lob out and chat about, as is the, the manner of our catch-up geek outs. Um, why don't you go first, Hamish? Um, okay. Um, I know your name was second on the thing, but... No, I'm just thinking where to start, because I've got quite separate things. I guess I'll talk a little bit about um, just some TV shows I've been watching. Cool. Um, I've enjoyed uh the new series of inside number nine mm-hmm. um which i think should get as i think it personally should get the recognition that things like black mirror do yeah um it's a so so what is inside number nine so it's just finished its fourth series yeah um it's made by reese Shearsmith and steve pemberton so essentially the league of gentlemen without mark gatus and the other one that <laughs> like the other Osborne, the one that you don't see but helps write it. Yeah. Um The fourth gentleman. Yes. Um they are in every episode, but more often than not, they are side characters. Sure. Um there's some it's an anthology series. The only thing linking every episode is it takes place in an A number nine. So sometimes that's a, a house, uh-huh. um, a building. That's a cool um, framing device. Uh Etc. Okay. Um, mostly it's dark comedy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's gone way further into comedy, and sometimes it's gone way further into, into dark. Into dark. There's some episodes with basically no jokes. Okay. Um, there is a amazing one on Netflix, and like Black Mirror, which I'm also going to talk about. It you do not need to watch them in any kind of order. Okay. Um, there's a a great episode called The Twelve Days of Christine about um which is Sheridan Smith. Yeah. Um, and is not, it's funny and charming, but it's not a comedy and it yeah. makes me cry my eyes out. And oh, wow. Most of these, so season four was really good. Um, most of the episodes uh, I cried or kind of like point at the screen going, no, they always have really good twists and oh, stuff okay. like that. Um, and really good actors in. Um, very weird uh, in the, I guess the weakest of the last series, but kind of interesting in its own way, was Noel Clark. Right. Um, yeah. So Mickey from Doctor Who. Yeah. Was playing a person who was a director of Doctor Who. Okay. And everyone else in the cast had been in Doctor Who, so it had <laughs> had Zoe Wanamaker. Yeah. It had um, the person who played Agatha Christie. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton have both been in it. Um. But yeah, it it just ended. They, they I'm just trying to think. So they did one episode, which um, took place in ten minute increments, going backwards. Oh, interesting. So it showed you the last ten minutes of the story chronologically. Yeah. And then 
it, I think it had four portions of going backwards each time to sort of explain everything. All right. And it's so amazing because in the last, like, second, which chronologically yeah. is the start of the story, is the twist. Interesting. It's so good. But um, Oh, that's some creative storytelling. It's one of the, Yeah, it's one of those things where some episode it's an anthology, so some episodes good, some episodes not so good. Sure. Um, never seen one that's, like, pissed me off, yeah. I guess. I actually think I've missed a few, but... Um, yeah. I really like it. I wish it got a bit more attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but also Black Mirror. Yes. Similar type of show. Yeah. Um, I fell off. I say I fell off the wagon a little bit. I haven't watched any, like, I know you're just saying you don't have to watch them in order, but obviously they were being released sort of staggered after the first two seasons on British TV before I got picked up by Netflix. Mm. Um I haven't watched any since San Junipero. Yeah. Where I think there's like one or two more of that season and then there's this newest season, season four. Um, I've heard good things about a couple of the episodes. Um, I've heard mixed things about a couple of the episodes. <laughs> there's been a lot of weird jokes and memes about Black Mirror that I kind of feel come from perspective. This is like Black Mirror's whole gag is ain't technology bad. And the thing is what my feeling with Black Mirror is it's never really technology is bad. It's no. more like the way people use it. It's a, The thing is about Black Mirror is it, it's largely satire. And yeah. But I, I feel like um, th- there's a new video essay that I meant to watch before I recorded. Um, Carl Calgreen of Browse, Browse Head Held High has done a video about Black Mirror and sci-fi and things like that which I really want to check out because his uh, analysis is always super insightful. But I don't watch Black Mirror for its scathing commentaries about technology because no. I don't think that's what the show is really about. I think that's the sh- framing structure it wor- uses. I think the but memes it- are from people who have either not watched it or mm. don't really know where Charlie Brooker's is coming from because yeah. – He's a video game, he's an ex-video game journalist who is obsessed with technology. Yeah. And the technology in the show wouldn't be as, um, I guess, realistic if it wasn't made by someone who really is Mm. interested in that. Yeah, something we talk about quite a lot is how certain things um, are a genre, not Mm. um, or certain things aren't a genre, they're a means. Yeah. And I think for me... And Black Mirror, but just Charlie Brooker's writing generally is he uses sort of sci-fi as the vague structure, but I don't think of his work as sci-fi. Like he uses technology super well. When I think about like the first season of Black Mirror, yeah, I think it's literally the last episode that's very technology based. That's the one with the bean. I think mm. that's the one that David either I think David Fincher bought the rights to, or Robert Downey yeah, Jr. Yeah. bought the rights to. But the first episode of that is more looking at media. Yes. The second one is about con- the consumption of, or how we feed into the system, which is great. Oh, the actor's name has... To- the, the the guy who's just been nominated for Best Actor for yes, Get Out, yeah. he's in that. So he's in the first season of, um, of well, Black Mirror. That's another reason I like the show, is I do watch it for the acting and the, the visuals yeah. and things like that. And I don't also, I also don't think it's about how few people use technology. I think in a way the point of Black Mirror is it doesn't matter how advanced we get, people will act the same. Yes. So often in these episodes they go to great lengths to show that almost everyone in the world is using this fine and they they show it being used for good a lot. Yeah. And like there's an episode in um the new series called Crocodile where uh 
the technology is what saves the day. Yeah. Um, it's just about the human drama inside that world. Yeah. The, uh, I'd say two episodes of Black Mirror have particularly made fucked me up. Mm. As I say, it's the one, I think it's from the same season as San Juno. Okay, no. In season two, White Bear messed me up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one with and- and Andrea Critchlow. Yeah. That episode genuinely made me uncomfortable. I thought it was a very good episode. That one definitely caught me off guard. Mm. The season for, with the San Juno Pair episode um, where people's webcams were getting hacked and they were being forced to do stuff, mm. that one made me sick to my stomach. I felt so uncomfortable. And the episode with Brace Dallas Howard. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't... I know, the thing is, I, I, I don't exactly know how much or how severe my anxiety is. That episode, I think I spent the whole time, like, my fate, my hands... Over, not secondhand embarrassment, secondhand anxiety. I was just like... As, as somebody that's constantly worried about that they're doing things wrong and being perceived in a way that they don't mean to be perceived, that was genuinely discomforting to watch. Well, I think... it's. I think... One of the reasons the, the memes do annoy me is that, and trying to kind trying to counter them annoys me as well. Is that because it's an anthology series, its yeah. point is to have different perspectives. Yes. So trying to summarize where the show's coming from by using one episode is tough because yeah. it's about how sometimes technology is used for bad. Sometimes yeah. it saves people's lives. Yeah. Sometimes it does this, but it's just that it's an anthology series. It's dark and it. Yeah has technology yeah. as the framework. Charlie Brock is interested in humans. Yeah. And how we engage with the world around us. So, um, if anyone's curious, my favourite episode of the season was one called Metalhead, which is just amazing. Okay. But I, I've, I've seen it towards the bottom of other people's lists. It's yeah. quite different. Okay. Um, but I want to talk about the episode USS Callister. Oh, yes. Very briefly. It's the one that got a lot of the press because it's... Looks from the outside like a Star Trek parody. Yeah, isn't it? A, is it a girl wakes up or she's having a dream and she's found finds herself on a spaceship well, like, for a TV show? Yeah, I won't spoil. Can, what you, it can is. you give me the premise, or is that the twist? That's not the twist. The, the, there's not. It's not really a twist. The premise yeah. is that um, it's about toxic masculinity and entitlement. Fantastic. Where a man traps a bunch of people in a virtual reality oh right uh based on his favorite tv show okay so to him he's kind of larping this fun like star trek role play game Uh uh-huh but everyone else is like trying to escape okay cool Um, i need to watch this one it's really funny it's really empowering i think okay um it's one of these really interesting things because even though it's a sort of a parody of Star Trek in the and like in a bad version of Star Trek because yeah. it, it he he plays a kind of warped Kirk. idea of Kirk, which yeah. is not what the character's like. But um, but also the story could work as a Star Trek episode. Oh, interesting! It's like a really nice, neat like adventure story. Okay, um, it's got Jamie Simpson. Uh, Liam <laughs> Liam McPoyle who is incredibly uh, he's a very good actor yeah I really need to watch Westworld because mm. I know season um, 2 is coming out he's meant to be very good in that and also Michaela Cole who I love from Chewing Gum has is in it and has possibly my favourite line and I'm going to say it 
when describing this gross guy yeah. who's doing this, she says, um, oh, he's an all right goat, but a bit creepy. Throw a ham sandwich across the room and he'll fuck it before it hits the ground. But mostly he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh my God. That's um, amazing. And that's the that's another reason I watched Black Mirror. Like, before Black Mirror, Charlie Brooker did a show called Dead Set, which was about how... In the zombie apocalypse, the only people that survive are the people in the Big Brother house. Mm -hmm. And it has a line where someone walks in on two people kind of making out in a room and goes, oh, sorry, smells like fingering an ear. (laughs) And like these horrible lines that just come out of nowhere in the middle of this horrible, dark thing. I don't know. It's a tone I love. Yeah, one of these things that never ceases to amuse me. And this is something that's possibly going to be a bit lost on maybe on, on any of our listeners not based in the UK or maybe under a certain age. Charlie Brooker, scathing Charlie Brooker, the, one of the most sarcastic and vitriolic mm. people, or such is his persona. Like, it, do check out Screen Wipe and mm. stuff like that. His, his writing is so good. Is married to a former Blue Peter presenter. <laughs> Which never ceases to be one of my favourite things. Um, I know a little different ages, but like my childhood Blue Peter presenter it was Connie Huck. Yeah, yeah. Like she's Blue Peter to me. Yeah. Um, and actually, my favourite. They. I don't know how they really met, but yeah. Um, she contributed a segment to one of his yes. screenwriters episodes, which was taking the f- making fun of like, um, objective documentary reality celebrity. Mm tackles subject thing which starts with hello i'm connie huck i'm 33 years old but i look about nine and ever since i can remember i've been obsessed with the world of urination (laughs) (laughs) and like should they do is completely played straight of course like investigation about urination um anyway i i I, i'm just someone who likes his work yeah and i like black mirror highs and lows as always sorry i talked about that for ages that's all right Um, it was good to talk about have you been watching anything on the old Netflix? Oh, I have I have literally just realised that of my stuff that I have listed to talk about, five out of six are on Netflix. Yep, this is not the end of me talking about Netflix things either. Yep, no. Um, uh, well, uh, we'll start talking about uh, Dirk Gently Season 2 finally dropped, mm-hmm. or dropped uh, like the 2nd or 3rd of January. I mainlined it in a weekend. Mm-hmm. I mainlined it in a day. <laughs> And that was a very good day for me. Oh, nice. I had a, a really nice time of it. Uh, while I'm loath to say heap too much praise, I know Max Landis was very pivotal in bringing this season, this to the whole the whole series, um, this adaptation, because Dirk Gently's had a TV series before, because obviously it's based on a Douglas Adams book, mm-hmm. uh, but, or book series, I'm not sure, I'm terrible. But um, he is not the sole maker, writer, director of the show. And so I feel like I'm okay to discuss it. And Can I butt in to please. say one thing? I It's disheartened me recently that one of the uh, um, sorry, I've buttoned to not know. That's okay. Some of the collateral damage yeah. of the movement, which I've nev- I'm not criticising, mm. has been to instantly cancel certain shows that employ lots of people who might not otherwise be employed. Yes. Um, I know there was a a bit of sadness about the fact that um, 
that comedian, what's his name? Louis C.K.? Louis C.K. was working on an animated series which was going to have a trans main character voiced by a trans woman and then it instantly got cancelled and uh. she was on Twitter saying that like this is really sad and mm. he wasn't the whole part of the show and whatever. So, yeah, that I think it's fine to enjoy the work of... Yeah. Because what I will say about see, there's there's really fun. You got these sort of two parallel storylines that then turn out are not parallel, but are very, very, very intricately linked. Which, if you've seen season one of Dirk Gently, will not surprise you. But what what I have to give a shout out to because of what our podcast is, Canonical Quiz. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the Fantasy Land um, storyline. We have these two. Uh, guys from rival families uh, one of whom is an um, actor of played by an actor of color uh, but they have like a secret relationship because their families are at war and one has come to our world and their relationship is very sweet and very touching and that's lovely a lot of the season they don't aren't together but it very much informs who they are as people and that's lovely mm-hmm. there's also a moment um where farah is to the uh, I forget the name of the actor who's in Tucker and Dale versus Evil, okay. who is an Alan Tudyk. Yeah, uh, but he plays like a local police chief, and his like sergeant is this fantastic character. And I hate that I've forgotten the actress's name because she's great. But she's talking to her character is called Tina, is talking to Farah, and he's just like, "So are you and Dirk, or are you and Dirk, or are you and Todd like a thing?" And Farah's just like, "No," and Tina's like, "Hey, no, 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 it's cool. I'm by," and it's just like. When have you ever heard that sentence? What the fuck just happened? You just... And what's cool is there's a... Spoilers for I'm not sure which episode. Due to magic, basically everybody at a gig gets a dose of MDMA and is all like lovey and happy Mm. and is seeing the holistic wonder of the universe. And it's great. The next day we see like Tina get up from a place and I think both a girl and a guy get up Mm. (laughs) from where they're clearly falling asleep in the same puddle, as it were. And it's just like, you see how easy that was? Can... The urge to like get like a neon sign and post it notes going, see how easy this, Mm. look how easy this is. And yeah, it was just great to see that kind of easy representation. And it wasn't made a song dance about. Um, I really like Dirk Gently anyway. I find the writing to be clever and interesting. I like the relationships between the characters. I think they do some cool and fun things. And yeah, watch Dirk Gently and come talk to me about it because it's a really fun show that you really can't talk too much about with people that haven't seen it because it's so dense narratively and has so mm. much going on. But it's a show that really seems to love its characters, which for me is is always a, a real draw. But yeah, season two was not a disappointment. Oh, good. So, and yay for representation. Well... My Netflix, my next Netflix thing. Next Netflix things I'm going to talk about in terms of representation is uh, one day at a time. I need to get back onto one day at a time. So I am gonna, I'm not gonna spoil anything. Um, but I'm, I mean, I might. I'm gonna literally say a few things that happen mm-hmm. because, um, so one day at a time is a very loose remake of a old American sitcom. Um, but this time, and it's a Netflix original, mm-hmm. um, this time it focuses on a Cuban family, um, 
the mum's a war veteran. The mum's a war veteran with depression and they do lots of great episodes of... I just watched one where um, she thinks everything's great so she goes off her meds and they just handle it oh. so well and... Um, and Rita Moreno is there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Egot. Um, yes. E- e- uh, Egot Rich winner, Rita Moreno. Is there. They did a really funny joke um, oh, yeah. recently where uh, we learned that... Well, basically, she's talking about whether she wants to live in America or Cuba. Yeah, which is, it's a three generational, three generations of the family that we see. Yeah. It's the grandmother, the mother, and the, the two children. Um, and who are teenagers. she says, like... But what do you want? She says, I want to be in America. (laughs) Um, She's in West Side Story. Um, So yeah, it's really good at handling topics from the perspective of three different generations. Mm -hmm. No one's point of view gets demonized. Mm -hmm. And it plays a thin line sometimes because it does bring up so it does bring up issues and they want to sort of tackle it from different points of view. Um, I've never ended an episode feeling like they've gone in the wrong direction mm. but because it's like a sitcom and because it's a story it sometimes yeah. has to go in the wrong directions yeah and have characters react in ways that you don't want them to sure etc however yes a spoiler for the series one of the show yes is the daughter elena comes out as gay whoop, whoop. um in the first season mm-hmm. um and it's really interesting because you see her tackling it throughout mm-hmm. the season but as an audience you hear it the first time the family does yeah um and, a really, and like the show is a comedy and it's a sitcom but the joke the jokes are kind of quite light and they're not yeah. really the funniest thing ever the show is so not it's, afraid it's pathos it's so yeah the show is not afraid of just having like scene after scene of like drama and silence with a li- you know little mm. jokes here and now to kind of relieve the tension of yeah the studio audience, yeah. but it feels more like everyone involved wants to tell a really authentic story about being, um, you know, Latinx, which mm. they have a whole episode about how the daughter uses Latinx, the grandmother doesn't know what that means. Yeah. And that kind of balancing of all that. Yeah. Which is interesting because I've, I've, I've heard um, Latinx or Latino mm. friends talking about how you know, with something like they, them, which mm. we often have to remind people is grammatically fine in English. Yeah. Latinx is a word which, for it to work in Spanish, means it's the only non-gendered word in existence. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just a little bit more of a struggle. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm just, I have a no, lot no, to say about the no, show. Yeah, please. In, in the first series she comes out, they deal with... Um, that they have a case in Yara as well. Which yes, I find they do a really good job of like what it is to be like from two cultures and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but yeah, there's sort of like lots of disagreement. Like Elena has with the mum about wearing a dress mm-hmm. because that's not who she is and what it means, and she has issue with the notion of being shown off as like a woman now ready for marriage and like what the connotations of that. And it's like her. Elena and her mum and grandmother, they discuss this. And I think Elena ends up wearing a really cute pantsuit. Yeah. And it's lovely. The thing I love about Elena is the way she's written. She's an unabashed social justice warrior. Yeah, it would be so, so easy to make all the joke directed at her. her. Uh, But, and I I, want to talk about some stuff in the series too as well. Cool, cool. I just realised, I really want 
there to be a world where Elena and Lisa Simpson can meet and be friends. Um, But yeah, the, the, the show could so easily make her whole joke being a tumblerina or whatever. Mm. But, and there's moments when that kind of is the joke, but it's far more the joke at the expense of other people not understanding. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's Elena's earnestness that is more the joke than what she believes. It's more yeah. like how she goes. She's very multifaceted yeah. and um, she is also my daughter, so I have to talk about her, like, whatever. But, um, so some things that happen in series two, and I'm going to be light about whatever, but there's an episode that deals with the fact that she's frustrated that she's white passing mm-hmm. um, and that uh, she gets privilege out of this. Yeah. Um, there's an episode where... Um, in the first series, they talk about how she doesn't uh, like wearing makeup mm. um, and they kind of keep going. I really like that she's... There's, <laughs> there's an episode where you see her and she gets so excited about wearing a like electrician outfit and having a belt. Yes. And she pulls out her keys on a string yeah. and is like, look, everyone, I'm Butch. Yes. And she gets really excited about being Butch and yeah. like read that way. Um, and... In, so there's one episode, and this is what I want to talk about, mm. where you get introduced to her friends. And all of her friends get introduced and then say their pronouns. And she says, I'm Elena and she, her. And then um, there's a p- character called Sid who says, I'm they, them. And there's a character who's Z, ear. Um, and Sid becomes a recurring character. Mm-hmm. Um, when the characters are introduced, there's a there's a kind of a joke with the grandmother of not really understanding what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of like, uh, I think one of them says like, "Oh, I'm uh, I'm Lydia. Who? What? Or whatever." <laughs> um, wow. And like, kind of made it that about expense. And the episode yeah. is sort of, it's about how all her friends have gathered because they're about to protest a video game because it doesn't have the same amount of gender options as they said it would. Right. And it's like a little bit, ugh. However, it's really, it's, it, it's another what I'm saying, like getting to the end of the episode because it in no way is demonizing her. In fact, the whole show really respects that Elena cares. Yes. About making change. Mm. And like her whole family support her and say like all of this. And so far, like Sid has never been misgendered. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes a beautiful, lovely gal pal, but not mm-hmm. sort of yeah. I, story. I, I, I've seen it gift. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to spoil this a little because, like, I know what most of our, our listenership is like of uh, an interaction. I'm assuming it's between Sid and Elena. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want this cookie? It's just like, oh, you gay, me gay. <laughs> it's just like, ah. Lesbians. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 um, there's a whole kind of not knowing how to ask people out because yeah. you, there's no rule book for how people ask. There is no script. Yeah. Um, we don't have the script. That episode's also, I think the episode after that, it's funny because they are, um, they're trying to get to a convention. Yes. And the convention is literally nine worlds because, uh, <laughs> it, uh, Elena lists the panels that she really wants to go to, and among yeah. them are the super gay super girl panel, 
And all of these panels that sound exactly like things at Nine Worlds. That's amazing. While she's dressed as the fourth Doctor, mm-hmm. and Sid's dressed as the TARDIS. Yeah. And I never in a million years thought I'd ever hear Rita Marino um, say this, but there's a bit when uh, she says, oh, I'm the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, and then her mum says, like, well, maybe the Doctor can... Um, <sighs> fix it medically or whatever. Mm. And then Rita Romina goes, he's a time lord, everyone knows that. And like, <laughs> I know it's quite similar to the kind of joke Big Bang Theory would make, but like, the vibe is so different. Yeah. Everything is very much... It, it, it's just so nice to see that a character like me, mm. in terms of being super nerd and being queer mm. as hell and caring about social issues, can be made fun of in the way that characters and sitcoms always but are. But it's not the figure of mockery and disdain. No, it's not, it's not saying that she's wrong. It's just saying it, it's this laughing a, at this yourself. Is a, this is a sitcom. Yeah, it's laughing at... I can laugh at myself. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'm, I'm not all the way through the series. I need to get back into it's it. It's got quite dramatic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I fell out... I not fell out with it. I mean, because I had a disagreement. I just started watching other things. I should like, get back into it, making it my evening watching before I do... It's an easy watch. It's, yeah, it is. It's a very, such a it is studio very easy sitcom to watch. short. But yeah. Okay, I'm going to now talk about another uh, Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Uh, the <laughs> packed, uh, kind of different kind of emotional wallet, uh, Alias Grace, mm-hmm. which is an adaption of a Margaret Atwood novel based on true events, which mm-hmm. I didn't realise, about a woman called Grace Marks who... Uh, along with uh, a gentleman killed her employer and his housekeeper. I think she was 16 at the time. Um, But what the TV series is, is her being sort of giving her life story to a a psychologist. It's in the late 1800s, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it's stunningly well performed. The writing is amazing and yeah i think it's it's a six-part miniseries well i got a limited event uh zachary levy is there oh nice uh edward molcroft who people might know from london spy and uh kingsman and anna paquin is in there and uh oh what's the actor's name jeffrey jeffrey Goss? No, Paul Goss, mm-hmm. who played Jeffrey Tennant, which is where my brain was going because I watched the Slings and Arrows thing earlier today. Some really good who's who of Canadian actors. <laughs> um, but I really recommend it. It was amazing to watch um, as sort of... It's Margaret Atwood, so you kind of know what you're getting in some instances about like... But it's really interesting look at like uh, the uh, the treatment of women, especially women of um, lower class like and classism and things like that and the whole question about whether or not grace did it and and things like that it asks some really cool questions but there's this great relationship that grace has with another woman character another woman character good good <laughs> english good englishing um, a character of woman a character of woman yep yeah. <laughs> uh called mary whitney and their relationship is very sort of it's the sort of thing that makes me and other queer folk go hello yes <laughs> it never progresses beyond that. They, they they are servants in the same household together, but there is a quality to their relationship, like intense female friendship, which is always good to see. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to like because I again I spent the day mainlining that, and it was just 
really quality acting, really quality writing that asks some interesting questions. There's some bits in it that aren't easy to watch. It does deal with like violence um, against women uh, particularly, but it's such a good watch and I do recommend seeing it before it is no longer on Netflix. Hmm. So, but yeah, check, check that out. Cool. Um, wh- when do we want to do a tea break? Mm. I've mentioned it now, so I guess we have to. Well, now we have to. Okay. Um, we'll come back afterwards. Yeah, and continue with the catching up and geeking out. It's the middle section of the show. Thank you all for listening. I have a feeling this is going to be a long episode. Um, Our catch-ups usually are, and that's when we haven't not spoken in a month. <laughs> I think that's fair enough. It's uh, been a long time since we've talked. Um, so I think we better just get through uh, this middle section. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you all for listening. Thank you for being patient. Yes. Um, and also thank you to Beasley Beverages. <laughs> Our wonderful sponsor, creators of fandom and fantasy luxury hand-blended loose-leaf tea and tea-related geeky paraphernalia. The business is queer-owned, all ingredients are organic and fairly traded, and almost all of the products are suitable for vegans. And if you're listening to this episode on the day it goes out, then I believe tomorrow, no, Wednesday, is Valentine's Day. Ah. And if you're feeling in the mood for love, then Beastly Beverages has you covered with a Valentine's flowering tea, which is £5. Um, Give your loved ones the gift of flowers with a twist. These flowering teas are a beautiful and unique way to show your love. A warm hug and a mug when you cannot be around in a stunning work of art as they bloom in the tea pot um there are three flavors for you to choose from tiger leaping is a green tea with lily jasmine and osmanathus blossoms nice uh then there's ginger kun <laughs> which is uh green tea and marath and it has mint in it and then there's mountain dream which is also a green tea and with BC Beverages knows what they are getting into when they sponsor us um, with their exotic tea flavoured um, so that looks delicious and yes you can watch it bloom in your glass and, yeah. and enjoy they also, the smells they also have a bunch of really cute prints involving some of your favourite ships Yes, um, absolutely. Um, check them out. And I believe I've accidentally chopped it off the... Um, we know it by now. Gothic. You probably know it by now. Um, you can get... Free shipping. Free shipping. If Wait, you spend. Then. I can't tell which ones are doing it. That's fine. Uh, we spend £20 or more if you use the sponsor code. Beverage Beast. All one word. Capital Bs. Um, we... We're out of practice. We're sorry. Yeah, you'd think we'd get better at this, but actually we just get sloppier and sloppier. Um, but check that out at beastlybeverages.com. Uh, they've also got a Patreon, a Tumblr, a Twitter. And a the Twitter's a good place to uh, help steer the boat in terms of what yes. products Yes, uh, G- Gabe Beastly Beverages is always looking for input on new products and things like that. So check that out. Also, want to give a shout out to Glitter Wolf, the Synthwave duo, our uh, amazing producer Graham is part of. Their debut album, Synthwave, is uh, their debut album. Wow! <laughs> we are very out of practice. <laughs> their debut album, Spectrum, 
is out on Bandcamp, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you can get your digital downloads. And they are uh, trying to organise a pressing of vinyl. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need 100 people to pre-order that or 100 units to be pre-ordered and then that's going to happen. So that's exciting. If you like your synthwave and you like your vinyl, you should get on that. Well, I believe my tea has almost flowered. But oh. uh, is there anything else you wish to plug before we jump back in? No, let's get back in. Cool. So, yes, we are back. I've got even more TV to talk about. Um, we mm-hmm. have some uh, topics to cover towards the end as well. Yes. Um, but I guess I'll rattle through some more things I've been watching. Um, yes, 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 yes. Also on Netflix, I've been I've watched two episodes of a show I did not know existed until it recommended it to me. Um, a reboot of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, renamed Queer Eye. Because uh, not, it's not always a straight guy. Hell yeah! That they are making over. Um, so the whole new set of um, people, for those who don't know the concept, um, I remember it being very controversial when it came out because people were worried it played into every stereotype. stereotype. But I think as we've discussed on our stereotypes episode, mm-hmm. while that was a, a worry in the mm. past, I think now there's a movement to really reclaim... Uh, culture and yeah. be proud stereotypes. Um, forgive me, I do not remember a single one of these uh, gays as names. Yeah. Um, but they, they're a little, you know, they're still all men. It's a little bit more diverse than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are hilarious and adorable and every episode is heartfelt. And the concept Aww. of the show is there are these five queer men who try and completely... So I love a make... I like a makeover show. We all, yeah. And this is five makeover shows in one because... Yeah, because it's house and wardrobe and... and diet. Yeah. But it isn't... Diet does not mean healthy because in the last episode they... It's like um, TJ maybe had a cook. Yeah, they showed a guy how to uh, make the perfect grilled cheese sandwich. Love it. Um, they also do... Uh, have we talked about hair? Yeah. And like grooming? Um uh, so is it your plate, your house, food, fashion, hair? And I think the other one is like um, sort of how you hold yourself. Oh, okay, cool. Like posture and uh, confidence. Nice. Um, it's adorable. The so I've watched two episodes. One, of, the first one is um, a fifty-eight Southern mm-hmm. uh, guy. He likes to have his cap down low yeah. and his beard big, and yeah. he's uh, his wife's died, and Aww. everything's like all sad. And um, he fucking loves having five yeah. gay men saying how adorable he is, and like yeah. uh, fussing funny. around his house. And they're so positive and yeah. so that's wonderful. I've been quoting one of so there's this guy who I think is the favorite of the. Mm. Um, out of context screen cap. All oh, right. He's an instant quote machine. Yeah. He has long hair and yeah. he's the hair yeah. designer. Um, one of his sort of catchphrase says, but I've only heard him say it once, but he said it was so much confidence, but like, it has to be a catchphrase. Um, is he's cutting his hair and the, the, mm. the subject mm. is, um, Oh, I think I look really good. And the queer guy goes, who gave us permission? And like, <laughs> I think about that all the time now. And it's like, yeah, Aww. who gave us permission? We don't need it. Love it. Um, Love it. It's just nice. Like, it's so camp and so... Unapologetic. Yeah. Um, Which we need more of, quite frankly. 
Yeah. Every stereotype Aww. is there, but it's proud of them. And I think that's, that's sweet. Awesome. Um, I want to talk, and this is going to be spoiler free, uh, but I really want to talk about The Good Place because I think before, um, in our last episode or the episode before that, I mentioned that I was a couple of episodes into it and looking forward to sort of diving back in. Mm-hmm. I genuinely think The Good Place is one of the best sitcoms I have ever seen. I think it does really interesting things with the form, not just of sitcoms. It's a show that is kind of constantly evolving within itself, Mm. which is ballsy as all hell. It's well-written. It's well-acted. It's got so much heart. And it's also very smart, but not in a way that I think talks down to people. It just sort of knows what it is. And a shout out to Michael Scher, who I believe is the creator of the American version of The Office. Office, Parks and Rec, Parks Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And then this. He does, he shows are good. He does mm. good work. I want, it's something I admitted to a friend of mine. It took me an embarrassingly long time to cotton on to this. I think I was either right at the end of season one or had just started season two when I cottoned on to the fact that Michael Scher created the show and that, the character that created The Good Place is called <laughs> Michael mm. within the show. And I was like, oh, God damn it. But yeah, that really made me grin to myself when I cottoned onto that. It's just like, I probably should have noticed that sooner. But that's a, a delightful commentary on things when you think about Michael the character. I think The Good Place is the kind of show you can only make if you've had three incredibly successful sitcoms. Yeah. Um, and he's great at realizing that you can get comedy and tension out of people being nice to each other yes like Like, conflict doesn't have to be people being mean to each other like season one of the office is so weird and Mm. wobbly because it's trying to be the uk show which is the most grim yeah dry thing ever Mm. and then season two we're like what if everyone kind of liked working with each other like yeah most like a lot of offices work that way and like there's still tension yeah uh, uh parks and rec similar sort of vibe yeah. which is great um we'll say about the good place uh it's, it's well to be fair brooklyn 99 it's done a good job it's got a great uh, it's got this wonderful divi- diverse cast of characters it's still overwhelmingly heteronormative which is that's a thing i've been trying to look for in the show yeah there's a i don't know how much we can say but um there are definitely i would i think the show is being very clear quite frankly that um elena Kristen bell's character is not straight given yeah. the way she talks to tahani <laughs> yeah. and some of the things she says about tahani however the core relationship interpersonal relationships that we see and also i could get onto the found family vibe that you kind of wind up with in the good place but then i might just dissolve into a puddle but the romantic relationships that emerge as the show goes on are still between men and women i'm not i mean i've seen season one Mm -hmm. and i've still um i don't think it's a spoiler to say that a concept of the show is about uh Soulmate? soulmates yeah um you know we do see in, one couple in we see one couple in the good place that is two guys okay is that okay, i couldn't i couldn't quite tell if that was two guys or friends or something i got the vibe it was meant to be a romantic relationship okay but it does but stre- even then, it does stress that soulmates don't have to be romantic that's the thing i i i, I would like to see more but mm. i don't i don't feel 
excluded from this world. No, neither, no, neither do I, and which is kind of nice, in, despite the. Mm. Um, one other good thing about the good place is I believe a lot of the core cast haven't done TV before or okay. a sitcom of this nature. Like, uh, is it Jamil? The 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 actress who plays Tahani mm-hmm. in English. This is her first time acting. <laughs> so uh, they're also good though. Yeah, uh, the actress who plays Janet. Mm. This is her first major role. Uh, ditto the, the actor who plays Chidi. Oh God, oh God, how I love Chidi. That um, I think it was Noelle Stevenson put a great tweet out a little while ago, which is just like fairly certain everyone is a combination of two characters from The Good Place. Mm. And uh, I had a real struggle to decide what my two were. Uh, I've landed on, I think, Janet and Michael. <laughs> oh, I think I think I'm I might be Michael and. Um... Uh, I'm definitely a Michael yeah, in some ways. I would say that's fair. Um, I I I fall between some other ones. I'm not quite sure. I could I could put I could see you as an Eleanor. Yeah, possibly just for the shrimp. I don't know. Uh, or Jason, maybe. Eleanor's also pretty thirsty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Girl got the thirst. And and wants to do good. Yeah, like the evolution of the characters, of all of the characters, is one of the, the f- most interesting things about The Good Place. But you also said it as a sitcom, and it's like... And mm. the the one thing sitcoms used to be defined by is that... The, the situation doesn't change. Yeah, the situation always remains the same, but you can't... It's impossible to watch the show out of order. Yes. It's it's interesting because you would never make the show a few years ago, but nope. because of streaming services. Yeah. Though it's interesting because it airs on TV stateside. Yeah. It is a like, weekly. It's not designed for syndication. Mm-mm. And the, the the pace at which it's going means I feel like it's designed to have a short run. Yes. And I hope it I hope it does. Yeah. In a way. There's also, I think, something really interesting about like the evolution of the sitcom. And the fact that Ted Danson is in it, because obviously Ted mm. Danson very well known for Cheers, which I think is one of the archetypal yeah. sitcoms. Um, this isn't a spoiler, uh, but in the finale of season two, you um, see him, his character, as a attending bar. Mm. And it's just like, I see what you did there, show. See, I'm more familiar with him as playing himself in Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> oh, as a kind of vaguely recurring character. But... Mm. Um, yeah, everyone's just well cast. And but yeah, it's really easy to... I think maybe it takes like three, four episodes to really sort of... But once that snowball it's, starts... First scene, you're already like, okay, this has a high concept. Oh, yeah, no. I just... I don't think I was necessarily grabbed ready like, now I cannot stop watching it. And for mm. until, But yeah, watch, watch The Good Place. I do not think you're going to regret it. It's not got a mean bone in its body. Quite frankly. No, I um, there's there's an element of it that I was not annoyed by, but it's something I see a bit too often. But then, talking to the microphone. Sorry, I'm not. I'm kind of not. I'm trying not to talk into the microphone. But basically, I (laughs) I want to what I want to get up to date before talking about it. Okay. Well, I'm sure that we'll uh, once Hamish is caught up on the good place, uh, we will talk about it in a mini catch up. It's it's. If, if you're curious, it's to do with the way media portrays goodness and badness. Oh, cool. That will be fun. Um, That'll be a good conversation. I'm going to talk about a show which is, in many ways, 
a complete bad place, <laughs> which is Celebrity Big Brother. Oh, nice um, segue. The first thing I'm going to talk about actually is the fact that RuPaul's Drag Race has come back for an All Stars season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm watching that. Um, but the thing I mostly want to talk about is the fact that on this year, Celebrity Big Brother, a show I do not watch. Mm-hmm. The a contestant and then winner was Courtney Act. Oh, she won. Um, who is a runner-up from series six of Drag Race, um, a a drag queen who I'd never quite not my cup of tea. Yeah, not not I never disliked her, but her whole thing is mm. essentially female impersonation. She yes. wants to be a pop star yeah that's her character yeah um and she went into the big brother house Mm. um and explained that uh they're gender fluid Mm -hmm. out of drag Mm -hmm. um and all these things and basically what i wanted to say is that we as queer people who do a podcast and if anyone follows me on Twitter, I like to rant. I like to get angry. I like to mm-hmm. uh, be very flippant and sort of short with yeah. straight cis people. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Courtney said in her interview when she left the Big Brother house, um, I knew that a lot of people are watching and people watching who might not ever have heard words like genderqueer or any of these things before so when i was in the house and i was talking to someone i chose as much as i could to not get angry to not uh Mm -hmm. be dismissive and explain things to them yeah i took it i traced it as my job to be there so even if i wasn't going to change minds in the house it was i might change some minds outside of the house and this was never more important than the fact that the runner-up was Anne Widdicombe. So the two. So for those who don't know, Anne Widdicombe, very conservative politician in the UK, who's become a bizarre, like cozy, mumsy, like staple mm-hmm. of reality show. Even though she did lots of things in her power to, yeah, hurt people like us. Yes. Um, and so the fact that that like it felt in many ways like the 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 soul of the country and the 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 way forward in the future even though it's not was being decided on C- on celebrity big brother between Anne Widdicombe and Courtney Act mm-hmm. which is very surreal but it 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 was interesting to me because in many ways the people that watch channel 5 not channel 5 but like the C- the celebrity big brother who vote on the show are the general public yeah. and it's very different to maybe the bubbles that we're part of yeah and it was really interesting seeing these two polar opposite viewpoints yeah. on gender and sexuality and everything. Yeah. Um, trying to kind of win the hearts and minds of that general public. That's cool. And I just kind of want to give a general shout out to Courtney Act for being something that none of us, uh, none of us can be all the time, which is just sort of patient yeah. and. Uh, not um, pan- not patronising. Yeah. And so there's all these great video clips if you search for Courtney Act Big Brother House yeah. of her explaining things like gender and sexuality in very simple mm. terms. I saw a, I think 
either you retweeted it or you liked it, so it popped mm. up on my Twitter feed of um, Courtney Atwell in Persona uh, on This Week, which is a news programme. Yeah. Just like chatting to this uh, older cisgent like in his 50s like about what genderqueer means mm. and the position they have about talking about these things and these matters. And it's just like, what a cool person. Yeah. I don't, I think also, and um, Courtney might be the first to admit this, there's certain privileges and freedoms that come with the position. Um, I think not getting angry is maybe a luxury for some people. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why I actually appreciate Courtney using that privilege. Yes. Um, she's very protected. She's yeah. rich <laughs> and mm. all these things. And just like, I mean, obviously money's nice. Attention's yeah. nice, but that's another reason she listed as going on the big brother house is yes. that I think they could use my voice. Yeah. Which is yeah. cool. So that's an odd thing to talk about. I didn't actually watch most of the show. I just watched a lot of clips. Yeah. Um, Going from maybe a, a cool, positive, changing hearts and minds <laughs> kind of thing to uh, there's something lesser catch up more thing I want to discuss, which is just like, oh yeah, no, um, different diff- uh, gender identities outside the norm and queer people and people of color are the baddies. Um, a trailer was released for a new TV series based on Heathers. Um, Heathers is, or the film, um, and the musical, which I would really like to see. Mm-hmm. I keep seeing cosplayers of like the Heathers, the music, the outfits from the musical, and they always look fantastic. Mm. It's an 80s film um, starring Winona Ryder, uh, Queen and Saviour, <laughs> and a young Christian Slater. Um, and it's anti-heroes, and they end up killing off the popular girls. Yeah who are not good people. And while like Christian Slater's character, JD is definitely not a cool person. It, that the whole point is like, it's Veronica sort of established change, like changing the status quo and like taking out these bad influences. Along comes this trailer for Heathers. And the Heathers this time around are an alternative fat girl. Um, I believe it's a a black girl. Mm -hmm. And, Somebody who's genderqueer, um, who appears to be um, uh, AMAB. So, and uh, they're the baddies that our plucky white protagonist Veronica and white middle class JD are going to take out because they are the Literally evil. murder. Yeah, they are the evil. Yes. And there's like a scene in the trailer of like these, I think they're a school board or a bunch of teachers talking about these teens and it's just like this horrifying like as a queer person looking at this going oh right this is this is the white middle class cis people like we need to destroy this and re-establish our position of power and it's just like what the fuck show it's awful but like Mm. it's there's so many teen shows or kids shows made by people who seem to really hate teens and kids. Yeah. It's like the polar opposite of the vibe I get from Elena and Once Upon a Time. Yes. Once Upon a Time. One day at a time. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just like, like in the trailer, they say, um, 
oh, she's not fat, she's body positive, with mm. so much, like, venom in there. Yeah. And, like, oh, so the fact that fat people are trying to be happy As is I said, villainous. this amazingly confident, awesome-looking girl who looks amazing. Don't you like, she looks so cool. That's the thing. The actors playing the Heathers, I, yeah. like, I can I imagine... I I was like, yes! I can imagine why they took the role. Yeah. They're like, oh, cool, I get to play that. Yeah. But... Then it like in the trailer, it keeps cutting back to the most boring plane scene at a billion times before. Mm. Het couple who we're meant to be like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Normality. Yeah. When you're like, but there's a whole new interesting show happening over there. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say don't look at the trailer because like I know what morbid curiosity is like. I watched it after people saying, oh, dear God, what is this? And I was like, well, now I have to say. I, I don't think it's like watching a bad thing on Netflix where no. you contribute to the numbers. Have a look at the trailer, make your own choices. If you if you feel like you're in a position to maybe add your voice to the people protesting against it, by all means do. But it's it's disheartening when there are these good things happening, like in in one day at a time and in other things like these movements to do better. To then have this. Mm. Feels like such a slap in the face. I mean, it's always it's it. There's always going to be pushback. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that this pushback. Like, I would still hate it, but I can yeah. imagine this being like a show for adults. But the fact that it's like, I feel like it's also meant to be marketed at teens. Yeah, it also feels like a weird, grim, dark. But I think it look, looking at it, and I mean, like, in terms of its glossy visual, just like somebody saw Glee, mm. however many years ago, which is like, let's mix that and Heather's. Like, yeah. It's the dark and edgy Glee. But also, which Heather's- is a statement that should never have crossed anybody's lips. But also, the, the only people still talking about Heather's and the only people who would support, mm. or like, the only reason you bring things back is for brand recognition. Yeah. But. The 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 hetero couple are not the people who are still interested in Heather's. It's all the queer people and the girls who grew up with it's it. It's counterculture. Like, yeah, like you're advertising a show to that group by demonising that group by demonising them. Very strange. Yeah, let's have we got something more positive we can talk about. Um, yes. I so um, Black Panther comes out very soon. Yes. Um. I've been seeing all the good... It's amazing seeing all the reviews starting to yeah. come through. So I want to talk about this, and I, I I, do not... Comparing, like, the experience of being black to the experience of being queer is very reductive and yeah. whatever. However, there's something I do kind of want to talk about, mm. and that's that the second the film started filming mm. on casting, there was this overwhelming sense of support yes. from sort of the black people I see on the internet. And there's a hashtag at the moment called what black Panther means to me, Mm -hmm. which is really lovely going through and you see, um, children cosplaying the characters and Mm -hmm. people talking about their own experiences. It's the fact that yes, there's been black superheroes, there's been black characters in films, but you, you rarely see a film with this budget, with this yeah. scale. And it's this portrayal where, of Wakanda specifically. Yeah, but well. everywhere you look, look, you'll see a black face. Yeah. And you'll see um, 
their characters are completely different. No, like whenever we talk about representation, we talk about there being more characters. No yeah. single character is going to represent yes. the fact, and you know, black writers and directors and all that stuff. And it made me a little sad. And this is where the like the thin mm. thread of yeah. connection is that I, whenever queer stuff gets announced in films, yeah, I always just get, react and negatively or worried or mm. I get the feeling the vibe is to always hate on films trying. Yeah, and admittedly, there's never been a queer film like Black Panther in terms of yeah, every character is queer, every uh, and that it's. The big. Well, there's not been part of a franchise in yeah. the way that, that Black Panther is. Um, so it's not exactly comparable, but I think I thought about it recently because, um, and we're going to talk about it a bit more on our next episode where we talk about Valentine's and relationships and shipping and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I sometimes feel like the m- massive negative reaction to uh, Beauty and the Beast mm-hmm. for its t- terrible attempt at trying. Yeah. And. Uh, I guess maybe Star Trek Beyond and uh-huh. a few other things that did try mm-hmm. has led studios to not want to go down that route. Yeah. And it just makes me, it makes me a little sad that, and I'm part of this, that we couldn't have all been a bit more encouraging. Yeah. Um, and instead of, so something like Beauty and the Beast uh, right-wing people, homophobic people were against it and left-wing people and gay people were against it. Yeah. And as a studio who is probably straight and just trying their best but not really knowing what to do. Yeah. You can always ask. Um, yeah. I can, I just, I, I I like that positivity coming from Black Panther and like, yeah. it, like uh, the meme I've loved, I've, I've seen on like Twitter and Tumblr is people, um, a long time ago, actually. Yeah. Showing, like, this is what I'm wearing to the Black Panther premiere and everyone mm. sort of showing off sort of great African dress. And then that was mirrored in the actual premiere outfits. Yes, it was amazing. Um, I just think it's really exciting. And I, the fact that it has the highest ever advanced ticket sales of any Marvel movie ever. Despite the fact that there has been some bullshit going yeah. on. Uh, but they, it can't stop it. No, and like it's a fucking juggernaut. It's you know, amazing. other other biggest films of recent years have been uh, things like uh, Hidden Figures and like Get Out was a massive success. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, if you make it, we will be there. Yeah. Um, and like I said, it's not comparable worlds, but yeah, for, and like Coco as well. In some yeah. ways, like if you make films about marginalized groups, we will support it. Just do it well. Don't be scared. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned Get Out. Um, I wanted to talk about the Oscar nominations. Yes. Uh, briefly, because hell yeah, Get Out um, got nominated for Best Picture, Best Axi- Ac- Actor, Best Lead Actor for Daniel. I'm going to... Oh, I'm the... Um, Kaluuya? Yeah. Cool. I could have got that really bad. Uh, best director for Jordan Peele, and I think he might have got a screenplay nod. Uh, yeah, screenplay. best original screenplay as well. Uh, there might be some more further down. I'm just trying to concentrate on the on the big categories that everyone chats about. I'm happy for that film. I'm always also happy for genre films to do well. Yes, like horror films getting in the best pitch category is amazing. Yes. Uh, oh, what was it? I saw that somebody um, somebody pointed out that it's 
as always, we were, this is something we were chatting about at lunch. The Oscars both are... We don't like to put too much weight in the Oscars because the Oscars are very much a reflection of the industry. And while there's been a recent attempt to get new members into the Academy to, to diversify their voting pool. Yeah. So it's more reflective of, you know, society. Cool. Reflective. Like ah, to, thank you. I shape checked, of Water. I, Ooh, yeah, yeah, which is I, another genre film getting nods. Yeah. But like, while we both said, like, everyone, oh, the Oscars are so political and like, da 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 da. Also, the Oscars are a, way, are a yardstick. Mm. They are reflective of the industry that people are trying to work in. So while there's always going to be bullshit going on... we don't. I, they shouldn't be important, but they are, are. so... They are important. Yes. They're important. Like, I always think about how... Um, I I don't think um, Lupita Nyong'o would have had mm. much more career had she not won the Oscar. Yeah. Um, it does affect people's lives. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's fine to celebrate. Mm-hmm. And nominations are really good. Like they not, it doesn't need to win to um, go further than that. A film yeah. being nominated already brings it to the attention of lots of other people. Yeah. Um, I just saw that Sally Hawkins got nominated for lead actress. Like, go Sally Hawkins. We're, we're big Sally Haw- Hawkins. We're big, yeah. But <laughs> I'm going to say, yeah. Sally fans. So, ha- uh, Sally Hawkins, um, Richard Jenkins and Octavia Spencer have all mm. got nominated for acting in Shape of Water. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going, I'm going to see that next week. So that's, de- I'm definitely going to be talking about The Shape of Water on a future yes, catch-up. Yes, same. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, there's the usual flavour of bullshit going on with the Oscars I think one of note is how Wonder Woman has gone very unrecognised um yeah like things like even for cinematography and stuff like that yeah like, uh what else we talk yeah there's been a couple of films that obviously there's the usual sort of snubs um was it the fact that um where is it where is it where is it okay yeah um I think Greta Gerwig is the only woman nominated for a direct best director mm. this year. Shout out to Natalie Portman at the uh, Golden Globes. So funny. Where like where um she gave out she was not listing the nominations for best director and she said, and here are all the male Nom- direct- yeah, <laughs> nominations. Male nominees. Which got her laughter from the audience. Um, yeah. Savage Natalie Portman. The Oscars is going to be a hot mess. They're going to definitely try and acknowledge uh, the movement. Yeah, I was going to say, do we want to talk about the whole let's wear black to show our solidarity? (sighs) Sure. I I, I mean, we don't have to other than just like yelling into the void for 30 seconds. I think that's, um, it was a nice movement uh, for the women, but asking men to dress in black to support a movement at a ceremony... A black tie of Yeah, that's the bar has never been lower to um, mm. uh, be an advocate. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, you know, and in, in some ways, it can't be worse than last year's list saying the wrong best picture nomination fiasco. Yeah, uh, you say that, but I wait to be proven wrong. Yeah. Oh, I feel like again, given our podcast and it, and our purview. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that Call Me By Your Name has been nominated mm. for Best Picture. The funny, tragic thing about that is genuinely, um, I've heard people talking about, well, we gave gays it last year, so we can't do that again. I'm like, what? wow. <laughs> uh, very different films, but 
Sure. sure. If you want to reduce it to that. Fucking bull. Oh, now I'm mad again. Um, but the thing is, it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter who wins. But I think it's very important that certain films get nominated that the tie that the idea of oscar bait yeah is sort of dying in some way because even though films are made to do that the types of films that can be mm. acknowledged as best films is widening very slowly yeah uh that said uh in the ongoing thing about how the oscars are bullshit the fact that amy adams has yet to win an oscar is a travesty yeah where's her meme yeah give me a fucking the whole like Leonardo I'm, still mad. I'm thing. still mad about it um i got no beef with leo leo can do leo but give amy adams an oscar yeah it's the it's the fact that men are always seemingly owed mm-hmm. oscars for things or oh it's their time i'm like yeah it's amy's time it's amy's time um, um shall we move on to uh should we finish with a no box box pop question sure, cool because i feel like we've rabbited on Yes. Quite a bit already. Um, so, okay, we got a uh, question from Luther. Was this via Facebook? Uh, no. I believe this was Twitter. I, I, only, I, I only say this because I know we have two Luthers in our regularly chatting to... Oh, do we? Yes. Uh, we have Luther Self on Twitter and another Luther. Um, well, One you'll of know lo- who you are. Yes. <laughs> um, they asked, what are your thoughts on the Adventure Zone Amnesty? I am loving the Amnesty arc. I feel like uh, Powered by the Apocalypse system is really working for them Yeah, uh, uh, as a group. It's great to hear Griffin DMing again because obviously he is the most comfortable in that in that role. But the characters have been great and it just feels like, unlike Fate, which I, th- I think Fate is an amazing system, it is not for everybody. No. At all. I think the structure that Powered by the Apocalypse uh, gives them. Um, I really want to play Monster of the Week. Yeah, I have I, to say. I, um, I've got a Monster of the Week game that I'm doing in my uh, Monster Hearts group nice. as a kind of a cooldown oh, thing, um, which is going to be Victorian based. But I, and I've, looked, I've read the rules and I don't need to hack it at all. That's amazing. Um, you know, there's things like driving and I'm like, you drive a horse, you drive a carriage, carriage you know, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great system. And also it's Powered by the Apocalypse, which Monster Hearts is also, so it's yeah. very similar. I think jumping from D&D to Fate... That's is, the hard jump. Yeah, your whole brain has to work in a different order. Yeah, whereas... But yeah, I, I, I find the character choices really interesting. Um, a point I've seen discussed, and this isn't unique to Taz Amnesty, um, of the notion of straight people doing queer characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like we've discussed before about the issues of straight people trying to tell queer stories and or co-opting queer stories. I personally really love that Travis made the choice to make Aubrey one, a woman, which is great for them. This also happened in Fate that a couple of them played yeah. uh, female characters, which is awesome. But the fact that Aubrey is um, a gay woman is amazing. Hmm. And because that's not a defining trait of her character, the fact that we got to have a great moment where she got nervous because a cute girl was around, (laughs) I thought that was lovely. And I am glad that the guys have clearly taken on board stuff they've been told in the past. 
Yes, but I feel I I'm. I'm not saying it's perfect. But... No, I feel like um, taken on board what people have said in the past, but also been loose enough because I I do feel with commitment. Yeah, it was too front loaded with these are my great, amazing, diverse characters I've created, and then they all found them slightly tough to play mm. because they didn't have any room to find the characters. Yeah. I Whereas, think that's a good rule with generally with tabletop characters. I saw this wonderful quote from Adam Coble um, this week, which is like, uh, "When you create a character, they shouldn't be. You're not. You shouldn't be creating an answer. An answer. You should be creating a question, mm. and you answer it through play." And yeah. I thought, "Oh, that's good." Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't feel bad with criticizing uh, commitment because mm. they created it saying this is experiment it's gonna be wobbly and stuff so um but you can see how they've learned from that and how that you can tell in this one they've learned things that will carry over to next time i'm excited to see travis um yeah um it's gonna be again i think they're gonna be using urban shadows and it's Mm. gonna be sort of a wild west with vampires and werewolves which is one very travis but two seems like it'll be very fun i'm excited because he's such a big fan of like buffy and yeah Doctor Who, I think he'll do it good. Uh, One thing I will say is I really would love to play a tabletop game with Justin because Mm. the way Justin approaches characters is really fun and really, especially given like where Taco started and where Taco ended. Mm. And yeah, Justin does really fun things like creating a chosen one character that has no desire to be the chosen one. And isn't made into the main character. Duck Newton is just a (laughs) fabulous character. And uh, I I am a fan. He's got an understated way of creating characters and I think it's really nice. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I think, is that enough for today, I think? I think so. It it feels, it feels long. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, it actually feels like we've been talking about 20 minutes, but I'm aware that it's probably more like an hour and 20 minutes. But, um, yeah, so we're not changing the format much at all. We just want to... Mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we want to answer questions, but also catch up a little bit at the start. Yeah, it's it's more sort of like trying to make things a little bit tidier, a little bit trimmer, hopefully to make it a better listening experience for you guys. So if you'd like to ask us a question, you no longer need to wait for No Box no. Box Pop. Um, we'll try and explain what future episodes are about, but if you want to send us a question about anything, it doesn't need to be relevant to the episode, please do so via boxnotincluded at gmail.com or via social media. We're Box Not Included on Twitter, Tumblr, and please join, if you are on Facebook, our Box Not Included Facebook group. It's private and full of great queer and nerdy people mm-hmm. and the uh i feel it's brewing and the conversation yeah gets better every week most definitely um and you can contact us directly on twitter oh yes i'm at hamish Steele, and i'm at jdocs for Droz. and funny as always we want to thank graham waller audio overlord master of the soundways for our theme music and helping produce the podcast he's great uh but until next time i'm jade rose i'm hamish Steele. Don't let anyone box you in.